0: Hello, and welcome to Eyewitness Beauty, the podcast where we talk about the biggest stories in the beauty industry each week. I'm Nick Axelrod-Welk.
1: And I'm Annie Kriegbaum.
0: Annie, what's going on? how are you this week?
1: Oh, yeah, Uh, you beat me. I wanted to beat you, but... Uh,
0: (sighs) um, Okay, well, since you asked, you know, the world is literally on fire, and uh, luckily, like, we don't have active fires in LA, but... I uh, work out outside at seven o'clock in the morning and there was like ash getting in people's like mouths from the fires up north. So it's feels somewhat apocalyptic, but I am trying to maintain a positive attitude and um, hope that we can have someone in office soon who takes global warming seriously.
1: Didn't Trump think that the forest fires could be solved by like firefighters like doing a better job of raking the leaves off the forest ground?
0: I mean, I I can't even begin to think about how he would justify this. However, did you read that the most recent forest fire was caused by a gender reveal party?
1: I did read that.
0: Which um which like a lot of people were like, "Fuck gender reveal parties." I just um speaking I, of Yeah.
1: Oh, we know the gender of your baby, right?
0: Yes, it's a girl. Okay, um, and I was going to say, like, we would never have a gender reveal party. I don't really understand, especially like in 2020, the motivation for having a gender reveal party because it seems a little like putting the cart before the horse. Because shouldn't everyone, you know, yeah? Also, what, how they what they are you? What live? are you
1: celebrating? <laughs> I don't you know. know. It's weird.
0: It's also like those parties that people have when they like get into college, and it's like they'll like get into like USC and they'll like open up a box, and it's like. Red and gold balloons or whatever, and it's like, I don't, this seems like a weird cause for celebration. Also, balloons, you're very anti-balloon, I know, because you always send Mm -hmm. me very angry DMs when, like, the Kardashians have those, like, crazy balloon sculptures.
1: Yeah, it's one of my personal like causes that are really important to me. Are the overuse of balloons at Kardashian events? Um, <laughs> they have an event at least twice a week. Whether it's like their assistant, their hairstylist, their Nellie Tech's birthday parties, their friends' stepchild's bear's Ning, birthday yeah. party, like, and it's always with these like train-sized tunnels of like balloons. And now they're doing like full-on bouncy houses made at like made to look like Kylie Jenner's like baby. Like you like you slide down the baby's tongue, like like it's so weird and so wasteful. And I just, you know,
0: because like the balloons like have to they get popped eventually and they go into a landfill.
1: I can tell you, yeah, between these are my three causes that I support anti-Kardashian balloon parties, just celebrities Mm -hmm. in general needs to stop PR gift packages we talked about. I hate all the extra packaging from these like PR. And then my other. I mean, let's
0: like pause there. We should be so lucky to get a PR package. At this point,
1: my request, if you want to send me product, like put it in a used Amazon box, like protect, <laughs> you know, I don't care. I'm not going re-
0: to. I'm just going to tell them to throw it in through your window. Um, Just come outside your office and just chuck it into the second floor. I mean, break the glass, whatever. I don't have
1: to go through all that, but like whatever's going to save the planet. And then my third okay. cause are these fucking, the other thing I DM'd you, which are these celebrity Photoshop Instagram accounts where Not only is everybody now like face tuning themselves, but now they're going back. These people who knows who they are are going back and taking like classic photos of like the most beautiful celebrities of all time. Like everyone from like Marilyn Monroe to Penelope Cruz, like red carpet photos, Jennifer Aniston, like candid paparazzi photos, and they're face tuning them like girls today are using face tune to look like, you know, aliens, It's like, wow, really? Who runs
0: these accounts? Like, who's, who, People
1: that are out of work because of COVID. It has to be COVID related, right?
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, it just seems like a lot of effort. And they get, like, thousands and thousands of likes. And it's, like, before and after of, like, a celebrity who hasn't had work done.
1: I think it's a shame because it's, like, as unrealistic as those beauty standards were. At least they were, like, slightly achievable.
0: You know what I just thought about? What is that we are going to be in for a major surprise when there's a vaccine for COVID and people start like emerging from isolation and everyone probably got a facelift like everyone who had been thinking about getting major work done has probably done it right now because they can have the downtime. There's no there's no productions plus like they can be inside they don't have to take pictures etc. There's going to be so many new faces.
1: Yeah, there was a story about this in the New York Times. The headline Don't Like What You See on Zoom, Get a Facelift, Join the Crowd. Cosmetic surgeons say business is booming after elective surgery opened up, with quarantine proving a time to heal in secrecy from renovation of face and body. I mean, it makes sense.
0: It makes sense, but I think it'll be especially exciting on the celebrity front because we're going to see everyone's fresh, refreshed face.
1: That's not what I want to see with celebrities. What do you want to see? I want to see them like hunched over, eating like a salad with like. Like you know those paparazzi photos of Jake Gyllenhaal and Kristen Dunst eating outside yeah. of yeah that's what I want to see. But They're I want to like, see I want to see more yeah. gut. Like I want to you know when you sit and you're like is that what I look like from the side? It's your gut. Like everybody looks like that. Like that's what I want to see from celebrities. People
0: who don't have that like on Instagram who don't have like any hangover when they like are on a, like like leaning on a pool like you know with their feet in the water um make me want to punch someone.
1: Yeah, I know you talked about it last week with Chris Appleton, right? <laughs> Anyway,
0: shall we get into top stories? Let's do it. Nick, do you hear that? I do. It's that
1: time of year again. Wow, yay. The holiday collections are here.
0: Oh my God.
1: I don't know if you felt this, but apparently last week in LA was the highest temperatures ever recorded in the history of modern man.
0: Yes, it was in the valley, but it was pretty fucking hot here too.
1: Meanwhile, the cosmetic industry is just now releasing their holiday collections. Or their
0: imagery, not the actual collections, right?
1: But here's the thing. Every year, holiday gets earlier and earlier. And in honor of the time period that we're in, all these teaser photos are coming out of these like special holiday gift sets from like every cosmetic company you've ever heard of. Nick and I thought we would give our own play-by-play, a little, um, 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 what should we call this, our little TED Talk about marketing in the cosmetic industry around holiday.
0: Well, right, because the question is like, why on September 10th, when you listen to this, it'll be September 11th, Our holiday collections that are meant to be giftable for Christmas, which is December 25th, why are they coming out now? Why, any?
1: So, Nick, we've worked in brands for a while now. This is all like... A bit of conjecture, but also like my personal experience, like what I've seen is holiday cosmetic sets. I think the original idea was like, let's put together our most popular products or our most like wide appeal products into an affordable set that like a dumb guy can come in and buy for his like girlfriend or wife or whatever, little sister, blah, blah, blah for holiday without like because, you know, it's hard to buy a cosmetic gift for someone. It's like a very personal decision, right? Yep. That's how we end up with these like holiday sets that are in gift wrap kind of themed packaging. Again, very wasteful, but we don't talk about that right now. So, what else happens around holiday time? What's the other most important day for uh, holiday retail?
0: Black Friday.
1: Black Friday. What happened when everybody got an e commerce shop?
0: Cyber Monday.
1: Cyber Monday. And so they're all trying to like beat each other to the punch. So Black Friday is moving up every year. So you're going to see in marketing like, oh, our Black Friday deals actually start Monday. Our Black Friday deals start a week earlier.
0: Now there's, to your point, Cyber Monday week, which is basically just like, it's just promotions, discounts, like any way to sell products for the holidays. And also as a brand, it becomes a time where you have to really make sure that you're cadencing out these promotions in time to be able to deliver the product to the customer on time for gifting. Right. Like that's also why like Cyber Monday is kind of perfect timing. Is because it's you know, you have like a month for something to get to the consumer. Ugh,
1: it's gonna be such a disaster with COVID and it's gonna oh go God. even earlier with COVID because like yeah. shipping's gonna be so unpredictable. Yeah. So expect an early Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Like that whole thing is gonna start very early this year. So the other Heard it here first. Heard it here first. The other thing that's hope going on is like, okay, we have these like holiday sets, which is what we're seeing this week on our favorite Instagram. Um Trend Mood One. Trend Mood One we're seeing all the photos being released those sets will come out before they start discounting for black friday cyber monday because what happens is too with black friday cyber monday people aren't buying gifts for their friends they're buying discounted gifts for themselves right anyway that's our quick and dirty breakdown of holiday time for cosmetics companies so what do
0: we got what are like the give me the highlights of holiday 2020
1: okay so becca cosmetics are you familiar with them,
0: Nick? I am. They were Australian acquired by Estee Lauder. They're all about like beach shimmery.
1: Shimmery naturally. Beach. Becca yeah. is all about a shimmery beach look. They collaborated with Barbie.
0: They collaborated with Barbie Ferreira. She was a model and now she's the star of Euphoria. Euphoria with Zendaya. And they sort of curiously made a collection featuring sort of, as we would imagine, shimmery makeup and palettes and things like that and they're all kind of holographic looking the finish on the packaging what's weird is that there are no images of barbie herself released like related to the collaboration so i don't know what that's about but i kind of love that she is getting her own moment
1: oh god an hour ago trend mood posted um nyx nix is it nix or nyx Nyx? i think it's nix you would know. Next. they're. I guess they're doing a 24-day holiday countdown. Jesus. They're releasing an entire, it's bigger than Rare Beauty. This is like an entire line of products that they're releasing just for holiday. It's in it's crazy. 19 SKUs. Okay, so then we have another holiday collection we have is Charlotte Tilbury is coming out with an eye palette.
0: It's called Bejeweled Eyes to Hypnotize.
1: Holiday, these brands love a gold metallic box they love jewel tones
0: so if you think about it though the story behind that and i've been in some of these meetings where they're creating like the holiday packaging is it's about screaming from the shelf so like if you're in a sephora on a gondola which is what they call the shelving at sephora like you want a metallic uh like neon a like holographic package so that you can like actually attract eyes because there's so much competition for eyeballs during holiday that it's like what how much crazier can the paper like packaging get and what's also interesting is that the paper that they use to make these holiday packages are actually really expensive so brands you know in some brands with like these holiday kits are actually not making a ton of profit on the kits themselves because the packaging is more expensive. They're giving away, like, oftentimes, like a full size product at a discount with a bunch of other shit in it. So, like, it's more kind of just the halo and then vol- like a volume play of just like selling a shitload of them.
1: My favorite, like, executions on this, which are the most boring, are like the like super prestige high end <laughs> brands. Like, they're like deco choices for their holiday. It's like they just take. Whatever they already have, like Chanel, for instance, they take their like components that they already have and then they like press a design into the powder that's supposed to be holiday themed. So this year it's like a cable knit pattern pressed (laughs) into like, otherwise, their normal like shimmery bronzer. I remember one year YSL did um, a firework design on all their packages, but Nick, I'll send you a photo and I'll post it on our Instagram too. It ended up just looking like an asshole. (laughs) I'll show you. (laughs) <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's like, just like it's like it's almost like the biggest afterthought of the year yet like the most important like, time of the year.
0: It's just like how crazy and like sparkly and metallic, everything is metallic and diamonds and champagne.
1: Anyway, I think like guys, it's about the power of the purse. We as consumers can end the madness. Stop buying this holiday crap. Just buy the stuff that you like. ay. Next story.
0: So I went on the Supreme app. I still get like the push notifications on the Supreme app, even though I haven't bought something in a long time. Even
1: though you're 36.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Even though I'm 36 and like firmly outside of the Supreme demo, I tried to buy for you, Annie, the Pat McGrath Supreme lipstick. And at 8.01, which was 11.01 New York time, when the Supreme drops hit, the app sold out.
1: I'm okay with that, but think that's the idea that counts.
0: A thirty-eight-dollar lipstick, which is almost expensive, is like Serge Lutens, right? And it was sold out. I, you can still buy Supreme name badge stickers, though.
1: Yeah, what else and is like part of this drop? Anything interesting in there?
0: They have a uh, six hundred twenty-eight-dollar like movie projector that's still available. I think that's out of like the price range for most teenagers. It um, just
1: shows skate films,
0: <laughs> and there's a more a uh, Mofi power station that also has jumper cables, which is kind of cool. Oh. Um, but that's also sold out. Hmm.
1: I feel like sometimes too with Supreme. I know we like rag on them a bunch, but it's only because they're Supreme and like pff, they're fine. Um, I feel like sometimes they're like, "I need jumper cables for my car." <laughs> Let's make jumper cables.
0: Um, that's true. Also, speaking of things that we you know need is the. Mother of, what is it? Inspiration is the daughter of
1: Mm, need. The redheaded stepchild of.
0: Yes. Um, I have a question for our dear listeners, which is that I, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of a little early in the game, but this is good because we have time to research and debate, Um, but I need a, a diaper bag. Nick. And I'm just like wondering, I, the obvious choice would be like a Supreme tote bag or something but, like, that's so <laughs> fuck boy. <laughs> fuck fuck dad or something. And then there's, like, a Prada diaper baby bag. But Cute. I've been told that that would be sort of lame. So if anyone has any ideas of, like, a way that I can carry diapers and wet wipes uh, and <sighs> you know goldfish.
1: You know who needs to do a diaper bag is Patagonia. Or North Face. <sighs> That'd be chic.
0: Yeah, but that's also kind of fuck boy.
1: Not Pat- Patagonia is...
0: Patagonia is not. Patagonia is
1: Patagonia is, like, fuck... Um, man.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Sephora has a new CEO by the name of Martin Brock. He is uh, formerly from Starbucks and Nike and Burger King and Coca Cola. So he has worked uh, at some of the biggest like marketing heavy consumer brands in the world. Uh, He's now the new global CEO.
1: Just to chime in, he is an old white guy. I know we were all on the edge of our seats wondering.
0: Uh, what's interesting is that he is replacing a guy named Chris De La Puente, who was the CEO for 10 years. And now Chris is, or I should say Mr. La Puente, is now uh, <laughs> sort of being sort of summoned upstairs and the new CEO, not not by like God or something, but by like the powers that be he's at alive LVMH. Still. <laughs> he is still alive. <laughs> and Brock will now report to Chris De La Puente and De La Puente, in an interview with Women's Wear Daily, said that he liked Brock because he had a similar background to his own. Quote, he grew up in Holland, but then he has lived in 10 countries. He has lived in South Africa, Brazil, Ugh. and the US.
1: So he's super rich.
0: He speaks five languages, so he's super very rich. international.
1: Super rich. He went to an international school. I know the type.
0: Probably. But it'll be interesting to see um, if anything changes. He- <laughs> Will it? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like... I don't know. I mean, Sephora is so, so, so powerful in the beauty industry. It literally, quite literally makes brands. Um, It certainly made Drunk Elephant. It made Tatcha in a lot of ways.
1: But isn't it like so weird that like the consumer base is overwhelmingly female? And like yet still at the top, it's same old, same old. I know. Like I'm sure these people are like great. This is not to say like these people are not great people. Like, you know, totally capable or whatever it's just like that's the reality at this like upper echelon still and like when when is that going to ever change who knows
0: annie this is a story that you have been pitching hard for
1: plexiglass
0: (laughs) hold on to your seats everyone plexiglass business is booming
1: it's a booming not breaking because it's
0: Plexiglass. Plexiglass. So basically, the idea here is that plexiglass, the plexiglass industry, or actually the maker of plexiglass copyright, you know, plexiglass, like Xerox, was not doing well prior to coronavirus, and subsequently is now the most popular kid at school.
1: So this is due in no small part, actually, it's pretty much all due to COVID. People You know, different businesses, including I'm sure if you've braved the outdoors and gotten like a manicure, you might have been separated from your manicurist by like a wall of plexiglass with like a tiny hole in the bottom, like at the bank where you like stick your hands through and they'll do your nails for you. It's like a
0: dump. like Like one of those like dunk tanks.
1: Yeah, Nick says dunk tank. I don't know. I'm not I haven't had a ton of interactions with dunk tanks in my life, but apparently this is like Where <laughs> you like Nick sit had.
0: like in this like booth and then you like put your like I don't know, you like put your your hands or your feet like into this booth.
1: You don't put your hands or your feet through a dunk tank, Nick. I don't know. Okay, so before this time, I thought acrylic was like we see acrylic furniture all the time all over Instagram. I thought the industry was fine. I thought like the acrylic space was a booming, especially since I mean, at Glossier, we used acrylic fixtures for everything in our showrooms. I thought that, I mean, at least Glossier was single-handedly keeping them afloat. I had no idea that they were, sh- the acrylics industry was struggling. But yeah, now because of COVID, they are back in business. And in fact, Rome, a German company that makes acrylic glass, that makes plexiglass, moved a lot of their production on their automobile side to now the plexiglass side, which was struggling before. So. Anyway, they're doing great. Um, Plexiglass slash acrylic sheeting is sold out until they're saying uh, mid-October.
0: And our producer was saying that heat lamps are also on back order. So like all the restaurants in cities where it gets cold during the winter and are preparing for sort of the end of outdoor dining, which has saved a lot of restaurants, um, are now trying to get heat lamps. They can't get their hands on it. It's interesting in this like COVID economy, seeing sort of what the waves of out-of-stocks, like, products are. So, like, at first, you know, everyone was baking. So, it was, like, flour and sugar and butter and eggs. And then it was weights and Peloton bikes and all, like, all the exercise equipment. And, like, it's sort of, apparently, it's really impossible to get outdoor furniture right now because everyone's redoing their houses because they're realizing that they had this little unused space that they should, and they have the time, and they've now spent enough time in their places to sort of feel the need to, like, redecorate or whatever. So, it's funny... Not funny. It's interesting to see sort of how these trends are affecting the economy. And we have a final top story, which was the news that probably hit nobody the hardest this week, which is that after 20 seasons on E!, keeping up with the Kardashians is coming to a close.
1: I'm okay with that.
0: Well, I guess the big the big rumor that sort of sprung up immediately following the the release of this news was that Chris might join the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills.
1: Why would she need to do that?
0: I don't know if it's about need or it's about desire to continue to live on camera. I don't know. But like it would be kind of amazing on the one hand. On the other hand, Annie, I think you mentioned, which was an interesting speculation, that this might mean that the Kardashians are just switching platforms. So like they might be going to Netflix or they might be going to Hulu or get some kind of more lucrative deal on a different network to make a sort of more, you know, docu-style show or something.
1: Yeah, I feel like Kendall's going to do some like weird little like one season experimental like series with like Tyler, the creator or something like. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, the cool kids, like, in L.A. And then Kylie will probably have some sort of content play, I'm sure.
0: So, yes, it is the end of an era. um, Maybe the end of a beauty trend, i.e. sort of full face contouring. Um, But I guess it it remains to be seen.
1: I mean, now if they, like, don't have to be on camera, they can just... you know, show themselves to the world through Instagram, be like highly edited photos always. I don't know. I sometimes I wonder because I would, you know, see clips of the show and I'd be like, oh, this is how they look like in person. They're done up. They have all their like, you know, procedures to make them look the way that they do, sure. But something about the show was kind of refreshing to be like, okay, this is what <laughs> this is what it looks like when you move and talk and walk and whatever and you have and you're a Kardashian. On Instagram they're posed and photoshopped and whatever so anyway like my rant at the beginning of the show i always wonder like what these like platform shifts mean for our perception of what is normal and achievable and 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 uh beautiful (laughs) (laughs) that
0: was that was great we're putting that up as a ted talk next week I just want to say it was a sad day for me because Annie was not able to participate in this conversation we had with the nutritionist Kelly Levec, a.k.a. Be Well by Kelly. Annie had more important things to do. And so I had to brainstorm with her on what we wanted to really ask Miss Levesque and then uh, take the reins myself and, you know, go it alone. But Kelly is an amazing nutritionist. She has over 400,000 Instagram followers. So people are hanging on her every word. But she's actually like, she is very legit. She went to USC undergrad, and then she did postgraduate clinical nutrition education at UCLA and UC Berkeley. She's like coached celebrities, but she also has written two books with HarperCollins. And uh, she is coming out or she has come out with a protein powder that is back ordered right now, but is uh, going to be restocked in, in the coming weeks. It's I think just called Be Well by Kelly Protein Powder. She's amazing. And I what I was excited to talk to Kelly about was not only sort of how, you know, quarantine has affected I, what I would imagine to be a lot of people's relationship with food and people's bodies and, and people wanting to get, you know, now maybe back into fighting shape. But also I wanted to get her perspective on a bunch of these like you know contemporary diet trends like intermittent fasting or keto or the F factor diet to sort of understand like which of these does she think are you know healthy and which are less than healthy you know and how we can sort of be more what was her term intentional eating intentional intuitive
1: eating intuitive yeah. eating. I think intuitive, intuitive eating, eating is like I, I it's shot for me I think like. I I think it's shot for most Americans. And this idea that you can achieve intuitive eating, which is like where you can just like eat like a normal human being and like not like overdo it or underdo it is, I think it's a pipe dream. Is that the second time you use the word pipe dream in this episode?
0: (laughs) So I asked her about intuitive eating and uh, with little Annie Kriegbaum on my shoulder. And this was uh, our interview, my interview, the interview. My biggest question, which is, and we're going to ask this and then I'm going to back up, is I am probably like a lot of people that you've seen in your practice. I gained the COVID-19 or like 15 in the Mm -hmm. first few months of all of this. I started an Instagram account called The Anxiety Baker that was short-lived. But basically, (laughs) I was making a sheet of cookies every single day. Yeah, I bought like a kitchen, you know, like one of the stand mixers I Bought all sorts of flowers because I was like worried about rations, basically. (laughs) And I dutifully gained a lot of weight. And now I'm sort of in the, what I would say, like the second phase of my quarantine, which has been trying to get rid of it and to, you know, feel better. So I've been trying to figure out like what are the ways I can still feel comforted, honestly, during this time, which would I think like a lot of people are like me who probably feel that food provides them with some sort of comfort or certain types of food, tastes, et cetera. So I need to sort of have that comfort, but I also need to like get back on a healthy track. Like, are you seeing this a lot? What do I do?
2: This is the story of my life right now. It was weirdly... The holidays, without the holidays, everyone's home and there's a lot of banana bread being baked and a lot of comfort foods. But then you're not celebrating, you're scared. And so you're overeating and you're getting that dopamine hit from food. And people don't realize it, but there's a total chemical reaction happening in your brain where you're getting these reward hormones that make you feel happy and comforted when you eat those type of foods. So first it was just like empathy. Like I get it. I'm there with you right now. Like I understand that this is not normal life, but then kind of like sort of stopping and checking in with yourself. It's kind of how it's been for me throughout this pregnancy too, is it's like food aversions, nausea, cravings. And then all of a sudden you're at week 14, all that stuff goes away. And you're like, wait, I'm going to be pregnant for like a long time. So we need to get our acting gear here. And that's the same with COVID. It's just kind of understanding that this isn't just like a couple of weeks of quarantine for us. Like we're looking at the next couple of years and what what's really going to happen. Like how long are we going to have to socially distance and what are the schools going to be looking like and what are you know, what's travel like? And it's all pretty overwhelming. But the good news is, is there's so many little things that you can do and little habits that you can create. I think the knee jerk reaction is, oh, my gosh, I just overindulged. And now I need to start a strict diet. I need to throw all this stuff away or give it away and start fresh. And
0: this I is literally a failure. What I yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: I'm a <laughs> failure. And why would I do this to myself? And the reality is, is it all happened pretty quickly. The weight was gained pretty quickly. It's going to come off pretty quickly, but we don't need to binge and then restrict. We need to realize, okay, we emotionally ate for a little while here. And now we just need to start building those healthy habits from the ground up. So with all of my clients, we always look at the first meal of the day. Like, by far, that's going to be the most successful for you to edit.
0: Why will the first meal be the most successful to edit?
2: Because what happens is is when people want to intuitively eat and say, for example, you started your day with a bagel, that's a processed acellular carbohydrate that's going to spike your blood sugar. And it's going to go up for about 90 minutes. And then you're going to crash for about 90 minutes. And the crash actually when blood sugar is going down and insulin is still very present in your bloodstream, not only are you in a state of storage, meaning storing these calories, whether it's glucose, sugar in your liver and muscles and fatty acids in your fat cells, but that crash makes you crave. It makes you irritable. It makes you crave certain sugary and starchy carbohydrates that are going to bring that blood sugar back up. So, If we can just focus instead of saying, I'm going to have a perfect day and now I'm going to join all these boot camps and I'm going to count calories or I'm going to be a macro person instead, if you can say, I am only going to commit to like the first meal of the day being just freaking awesome and balanced so that my blood sugar is balanced so that I'm not crashing into my next meal or crashing three hours later and going that croissant or that like cookie or whatever it was that you had is now making you kind of ride this roller coaster of cravings throughout the rest of your day and making you want things that you wouldn't necessarily need if you were balanced internally on a biological level.
0: It's like setting a precedent, like setting a totally. sort of you like start in the morning with like how you're going to eat that day and if you start with a bagel like
2: why wouldn't you have pasta? It's a bagel lunch? day. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's the thing is like and another thing too is when we look at the research and scientific research tells us that 20 to 30 grams of protein, if you start your day with that, you're actually regulating over half the hunger hormones in your body. People have less obsessive thoughts about food. They naturally and spontaneously eat less calories overall throughout the day, and they have less late night eating. And that's pretty crazy to line up all that research and say, wow, it's having such a profound effect on the rest of your day and the rest of your choices with making one choice. I've have my own podcast. I've had people on and I had one doctor on that I very much respect. And he was like, you know, I always just tell my clients, like you can buy the ice cream once at the store, or you can make the choice not to. And if you make the choice to buy it, then you have to make the choice not to eat it every time you open your freezer. And so that's a really important thing to think about right now is, is this is not the time to test us ourselves. And this is not the time to try to white knuckle it and use willpower because there's too much Stress, anxiety, heaviness. I mean, twenty twenty is. I saw a mug that someone had that just said twenty twenty, and it was a dumpster, and there was just a fire.
0: In it. Yeah, I fair enough. Like,
2: and I was like, that pretty much feels like like twenty twenty to me. So, um, and
0: there's just so many like contributing factors to how it relates to food in that like we're working from home and like the only kind of breaks you can take are to the kitchen you know oh, and
2: pantry flyby
0: right plus the anxiety <laughs> plus you know plus 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 so it sort of like has i i could imagine compounded a lot of you know people's already sort of like delicate relationship with food
2: right and then when you think about it too is like when people start to eat then they feel like they just keep it's like pony up to the trough we're just going to keep eating the rest of the day and we'll start over tomorrow or start over on monday or you know there are these really like drastic moves and people love intermittent fasting right now and there are like little things that have you know i look at my the last 10 years of my practice and i whether it's a bulletproof coffee or turmeric latte or intermittent fasting and now everyone's carb cycling. And I mean, just like pick something. And this stuff has been in research for a really long time. And we have understood how ketosis works since 2014 in research, you know, and really like before that, but like really a profound amount of research came out that long ago, you know? And so I just am like about creating healthy habits that are foundational that we can build upon and not having these really drastic expectations for ourselves in a time when there's already enough stress. And you know, and triggers for emotional eating. So it isn't that we're going to be perfect because like I do think perfect is the enemy of good. And I instead would say like, how do we set ourselves up for success for the day? Like intermittent fasting might work really well for people. But what I am fearful of sometimes with clients, especially right now, is that they're not eating until two in the afternoon and then it's backfiring. They kind of like my feeding window or my eating window is open. So now I'm just going to like I'm going to have a nice meal, but then they've waited too long. So like those real hunger cues or the satiety cues that they're looking for from that meal, they eat it really fast. It isn't really satisfying. And then it's an hour later that they're eating again, an hour later that they're eating again. And then they're eating really more in the later part of the day. And so – when I talk about breakfast with my clients being the most important meal of the day, like I really don't mind if it happens between 6 a.m. and 11 a.m. Like that's totally up to you, but I just can't have you waiting so long that it's that's going to backfire on you. And I yeah. really want you to take advantage of what research shows us is like a really profound way to set up your day not even like, hey, journal, and it sets up your day. It's like, hey, by the way, these like macronutrient inputs have a chemical and biological effect on your ability to naturally eat less, feel satisfied. And and that's what I'm about. Like when it comes to the sugar, the carbohydrates, the treats, like I'm pretty glad that we're living in 2020 because there are really cool alternatives. There are really amazing companies that are paleo, vegan, keto that are coming out with things that make it so that we can sort of have our cake and eat it too without a glucose spike, without hitting pre-diabetic numbers on blood tests. And I give my clients those tools too. It isn't that we're never going to have a tortilla again, but like, Hey, You know, regular flour tortilla, net carbohydrates on that is like ninety-nine versus you can have two of these siete almond flour tortillas for sixteen. And so what is that metabolically doing? Well, it's not taking you up this roller coaster and crashing you down and making you crave more sugar. It's actually balanced and the nutrients inside of it, the food inside of it is actually more balanced and more nutrient rich and minimal ingredients. So like those are the things I'm looking for with clients. It isn't that we're trying to be perfect it's just if you were my client I'd say okay like I get it baked goods are awesome right now like if I could get my hands on some of your cookies I would be all about it but how can I just say put some bumpers on your bowling lane so that even if you're swaying a little bit left to right you're still going to knock a few pins down
0: so that makes total sense to me. Twenty to thirty grams of protein to start your day seems like actually a lot more than people wouldn't even would even think that was because I mean an egg has how many? Seven or eight grams of protein?
2: It's only six actually. So, six. So yeah, like that's so,
0: a lot of fucking eggs.
2: Yeah. So it's a lot of eggs, and it's overwhelming for people when they start to realize it. Because I'll sit down with clients, and they're like, "Oh, I start my day with ah." Uh, hard boiled egg. And I'm like, Oh, a hard boiled egg is only six grams of protein. Like that isn't actually regulating the hunger hormones in your body. And there's over eight. I mean, it's not just like you eat a bagel, an egg, a green juice and a latte. And each of these things make you feel the same fullness and calm that you would feel. But the difference is, is like, if you were to sit down to like four ounces of salmon, you're getting 30 grams of protein. So it is really putting breakfast on its head with a lot of my clients and having them be open to maybe they're having like an egg scramble with some lox and some avocado, or maybe they are having a protein shake. So I'm a proponent of a protein shake. I know it's one of the easiest ways to get the quantity of protein in my clients that I need to get into their human bodies to make them feel this way. Um, and one of the benefits is if they have, if they are open to a, ba- a balanced formula for that. And I have talked about the fat for smoothie, which is like my version of a balanced formula for smoothies in both of my books, but it's just really successful because I'm getting the protein fat and fiber in their body that makes them feel full. And I have clients who will text me, have their smoothie at nine in the morning and text me at one. And they're like, this is really weird. I'm not hungry yet. Should I eat lunch? And I'm like, yeah, this is just the feeling of what it feels like if your body is actually getting that nourishment that it needs and and you're triggering the release of those satiety hormones. And that's, I think, helping people get out of their own way to stay concentrated and not ride a blood sugar roller coaster.
0: I mean, I think... One other thing that is hard is you talk about intuitive eating, but we live in a culture and on social media where there are so many different messages about diet and exercise and lifestyle and food and oftentimes conflicting messages, which, you know, Annie and I were talking about this before we spoke to you that like, are we just fucked? Like, you know, like, is, (laughs) is there, are we too far gone to be able to intuitively eat because we just like, have all these different messages being bombarded against us?
2: Yeah. You know, I think diet culture really interferes with our ability to listen to our bodies because you can be like, Oh, I'm going to intuitively eat. But then you have the laundry list of things you've learned. And from like the diet books you read, the magazines you've read, what you've seen on Instagram. And so it's, it's definitely a biased version of intuitive eating. And on top of that, people aren't even thinking about their biology. So I mean, If I started my day with sugar or any form of sugar, you know, there's a big, really big popular trend right now to start your day with oat milk latte and a plate of fruit. And they're like, plate of fruit is the best way to start your digestion for the day. And I look at that and I go, two cups of pineapple is 28 grams of sugar. And if I started my day with a plate of fruit, I'll tell you, I would intuitively eat the shit out of every cracker, chip, and cookie in my pantry the rest of the day. And if someone doesn't understand that, like, that's not my fault. That has everything to do with like this roller coaster that I've put myself on by starting my day that way. And that's not me trying to demonize fruit. Like, I love fruit, but I also have to preface it's very different from vegetables, being that its composition is mostly sugar and it is going to have an effect on your brain and it is going to be delicious. It's, it is going to say, be hard to say no to and to stop. And so, like I said, I think one of the biggest things we can do for ourselves right now during this time is not, not try to force ourselves to use willpower.
0: Can you unlearn like everything you've learned about diets and eating to like become an intuitive eater like right now.
2: Yeah, you know what my my whole thing is really kind of stripping away the titles of diets for clients because if we just look at the biology and the science and the way that the foods that we're eating interact with our body, like for example, paleo and keto and south beach and protein power and Atkins, they're all sort of a varying degree of one another. And they're all working by lowering the amount of processed carbohydrates and sugar, which subsequently lowers the amount of insulin in our body. And insulin is a fat fat storage hormone. It's It's a storage hormone. It's anabolic. It's building on the body. So when you have a lot of insulin in your bloodstream, then your body has a propensity to store the nutrients that you're eating. And then there's this whole other camp, which is you know, people who are plant-based and and really avoiding a lot of animal proteins. And if they're having success, they are probably, not probably, they're most definitely at a caloric deficit, which is a lot easier to attain when you're eating plants. And they may have elevated insulin, but because they're, they're really focusing more on having a salad with, you know, hearts of palm and tomatoes and cucumbers, they're all of a sudden feeling light and great. And so it's, it's really there are two ways to kind of get to where you want to go. And that's something that in in nutritional research that we see people butting up against each other all day long is this like calories matter, plant-based life versus insulin and hormones matter versus, you know, sort of more of like a, a protein-centric life. And so depending on my client, I'm just kind of telling them the science so that they don't have these knee jerk reactions to fads and to, to what someone with a banging body on Instagram is posting because they are able to unwind it and go like, this is working for that person because of X, Y, and Z. Like they eat pretty low calorically. They eat only plants and they move their body a lot. Do I have the flexibility to have that life with my husband, with my child, with my work, with the stress I have in my life, with my social life? And if the answer is yes, then by all means, that would probably work for you.
0: And I think that that second part is really interesting because it's about the lifestyle to say like, okay, I'm on the go all the time. The different uh, moments where I've been on like more of a paleo. The paleo camp yeah yeah and the paleo camp i'm like okay it's really hard to like grab and go something paleo so like if you're working and part of your work is like being in and out of cars or in and out of offices and you're around like everything basically that you have to go comes in a carbohydrate whether it's like a wrap or a sandwich or a cookie or, or a, a you know, like, or yeah. a bar so something where you're gonna have to avoid that stuff if you were like gonna be no carb or, or keto or whatever like is might not work for your lifestyle so like you have to sort of work a diet or like a regimen around your lifestyle It sounds right
2: like. exactly and that's kind of I mean that's where the bio-individuality of like working with a client one-on-one comes in is because we can cherry pick the science from like one one diet book or one trend and another and say like well what's working for you. The interesting thing is diets are sort of out the out the window a little bit. They're still prominent but like the specifics of like an Atkins diet or a South Beach diet or you're on a cabbage soup cleanse like those really stringent strict diets that like you have the pdf that you can eat and the pdf that you can't eat list are a little bit out the window and we really have moved into lifestyle diets. It's you're paleo or you're vegan or vegetarian or plant-based or whatever it is. And um, it's nicer because it's not as strict, but it also is interesting because we can pull back the layers even just the titles of diet or lifestyle diet and say, we all just really need the same things. Like we absolutely have to get amino acids or protein from the food that we eat, no matter what our lifestyle is. We have to get essential fatty acids from the food that we're eating, no matter what our lifestyle is. I'm talking about the omegas, omega-3 being so anti-inflammatory and positive for mental health in our body. Um, And then like the plant, part of it. Like, I think what is getting lost in translation sometimes for people in some of these lifestyle diets, like ketosis specifically, is that your gut microbiome needs you to eat plants, like to proliferate and protect you from the outside world. It is that barrier between what is considered outside your body and inside your body and the chemical benefits like short chain fatty acids and things that our little microbes produce when we eat plants. Um, They make us live a vibrant life, you know, so I am like a big proponent, even though there's technically in scientific literature, no essential fiber or leafy greens or antioxidants like I truly believe that my clients do better when they can just have a short list of like, hey, this is what my body needs. And if I put these things on my plate and a glass of wine happens or a homemade chocolate chip cookie happens, I'm not going to spiral and say I'm a horrible person. Instead, I'm going to look at that and be like, all right, I gave my body some healthy proteins some healthy fats some some plants, fiber and leafy greens, and I should high five myself and let that dopamine hit of like celebrating a positive win perpetuate that type of eating behavior versus saying like, I'm an absolute failure. I told myself I wasn't going to drink the wine or have the cookie tonight. I'm starting over tomorrow. What if you put that on your he- its head and said like, heck yeah, I ate some plants tonight. I had some healthy fats and protein. I'm going to do that again tomorrow. What ends up happening is you end up crowding out your plate and eventually you end up having less of the cookies and less of the wine, but without the pressure of this is really what I'm trying to control.
0: Um, so I have a challenge for you or like yeah. a challenge question. I'm going to eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's, pick your flavor. Not, this is not something I'm doing today, but theoretically I'm yeah. eating a pint. I mean, I, something I have done, but I'm not doing today. Okay. i um, eating a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. What is the Be Well by Kelly recommendation for when, how, doing what, like what, how do I eat that pint of ice cream? If that's the reality.
2: Yeah, Absolutely. I love this question. No one's ever asked me this. This is a good one. So first of all, I really want you to enjoy it. Like, I want you to know that like, it's a celebration and it's something that you're doing to be like, this is delicious and I'm going to enjoy this because it's my favorite flavor and I grew up having it or you're nostalgic about it with your husband or whatever it is. Like you, one, I want you to enjoy it. I want you to enjoy it with someone who's going to help you enjoy it. Like share it, right? And (laughs) then- Not eat it all. Yeah, not eat it all, but really just like also have a moment of like, I'm not in front of the TV doing this, or if I am in front of the TV doing this, at least I'm cuddled under a blanket with someone doing it, right? And I want you to prepare your body for it. meaning I want you to increase your insulin sensitivity. And what I mean by that is what that kind of Ben and Jerry's is is it's sugar. And it's lactose, which is milk sugar, right? So it's a double dose of sugar right there. And whatever flavoring, you know, you've chosen doesn't really matter. It's just going to be a lot of sugar. So what I want to make sure of is that the places where your body puts sugar are effective at sucking that sugar up into those locations. So whenever we have any type of carbohydrate, sugar, or starch, it breaks down to glucose in our bloodstream, blood sugar. And what it does is it's sucked up into our liver, and our muscles. If you were ever an athlete growing up, this is called carbo loading, right? It's like we have starch or sugar, we eat a bunch of it before a big match, and then all of a sudden our what I call our energy tanks, your liver and your muscles, those are they are ready to suck up that energy. So a perfect example would be like, say you finished a work day, you know it's a Friday, you guys are gonna watch Netflix and order and have your Ben and Jerry's or whatever. I would say, okay, it's really important to me that when your workday is done, you leave your work on the table, you move your body. And I'm having you move your body with... uh a little bit of cardio and a little bit of strength. And the reason why I'm doing that is because we're going to dump your muscles of of all the sugar that they're full of. We're going to try to empty those out so that when you have that ice cream, you're able to suck it up into those muscles. And your muscles are going to be more insulin sensitive if you do weightlifting, And they're not only going to be more sensitive. In
0: in this case, insulin sensitive is a good thing.
2: Right. So insulin's job, it's a hormone. And its job, if you consider, if you think about every little cell that sucks up sugar, every cell has a door and insulin is the key so you want the key to work every time and so when we work out when we sleep well when we work out and when we aren't highly stressed are actually our insulin sensitivity is higher meaning our the cells that can suck up sugar and burn it are better at doing that so we want high insulin sensitivity because what that means is all those little keys are working and a bunch of little cells are opening to suck up the sugar so that is important to me because I want all those cells to be empty before you have the ice cream. And then I want you to do something with your, at the same time, I want that activity to, to do something to increase the ability for your doors to open. And so that's what we're doing. And so if in my perfect world, the Thursday night, if this is Friday night, the Thursday night, you didn't stay up till one in the morning like binging a TV show, you went to bed at a normal hour, I'd say like 10 PM being the latest and you got a solid seven to eight. And then obviously throughout that day, I prioritize having protein. So I'd, I'd pull back on the sugar for the rest of the day. Maybe you'd have, even if you had a chocolate protein shake, it's probably using monk fruit or stevia. You could have a big salad with fatty salmon, some avocado. You could feel satisfied to have a handful of nuts, whatever that may be and feel really good about it, go get that workout in. And then know, okay, my insulin sensitivity is high. I haven't filled my body full of sugar. I just dumped a bunch of sugar out of my muscles and they're really ready to suck up this ice cream. And so then we have that ice cream. We enjoy it. We cuddle up. And then the next morning I would say your blood sugar is going to be elevated. So ways to bring down your blood sugar is one, I want to make sure you're super hydrated. So a really good way to make sure you're hydrated is to like make sure you're getting electrolytes. One of my favorite electrolyte mixes is called Element, L-M-N-T. So many electrolyte mixes from whether they're sold at Costco or Whole Foods or a bougie air One type of a market, they have sugar in them and you don't need it because we're all eating enough sugar. So we want some electrolytes and we want a lot of water. So we're going to hydrate your body, not because hydrating your body brings your blood sugar down. It dilutes the sugar. So like if you have more blood volume, then we have less sugar overall um, per milligram per deciliter. So we want to do that. And then we want to make sure that like the next couple meals are not full of sugar. And this is the hardest part, because if you have that Ben and Jerry's the night before and you wake up with elevated blood sugar, it's the same thing as kind of riding that roller coaster throughout the day. You're going to wake up and be like, it's the weekend. Should we get insert your favorite brunch (laughs) you know right so just being consciously aware of like okay i'm making this choice i'm gonna enjoy it i never think twice about it but like hey tomorrow morning i'm gonna get up and have eggs or i'm gonna have a protein shake or i'm gonna you know and if you want to move your body again that next day great that'd be an awesome thing to do it doesn't have to be excessive you could go for a long walk you could go play tennis you know you could do 20 minutes in your apartment on a zoom workout whatever it is but just knowing that like that elevated blood sugar the next day is going to just tempt you a little bit for more of those sugary, starchy foods and that, hey, there's you need to just kind of focus on bringing your blood sugar back down is important. And I think that's the key, because what happens is is people go, well, I'm just going to have a cheat day or a cheat weekend. And then I test blood sugar and they're not losing weight or they're not feeling great. And what's actually happening is they have elevated blood sugar and elevated insulin from a bingey weekend until like Thursday. And then Friday, they're finally back in a place of like, let's do this. But it's a weekend.
0: <laughs> that makes sense. You mentioned a little earlier that being paleo or or sort of being vegan or following any of these diets, keto, is a little. It's easier now now more than ever because there are all, are all of these sort of alternative solutions. My husband and I, as I said, are trying paleo right now and are really obsessed with these siesta grain free tortilla chips. It's easy to go through an entire bag, but there's also things like Magic Spoon cereal, which I know I think you're an investor in and yeah. also into and we spoke to Gabby last week or two weeks ago about magic spoon and how he kind of spent so much time in R and D engineering, like this quote unquote perfect cereal. There's Mm -hmm. nugs, which are like the chicken imitation, chicken, chicken nuggets. There's impossible, you know, there's all these different like substitutions. Are those okay? Like, should we be, I mean, like if I'm eating a bag of siesta grain-free tortilla chips, might I just as well be eating Tostitos
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a certain point where when we're looking at the inputs, it's a processed acellular carbohydrate. And what I mean by that is it's a flour-based product. Like, it's sort of like the garbanzo bean pasta. Like, it's a flour. We've made a flour out of a carbohydrate-based food. It may be a little bit more balanced than, say, a grain like wheat. But garbanzo beans and, you know, cassava and coconut and almonds – there's still, we're still making a flour out of it. And we're eating it more than we would eat if we were just sitting down to have a handful of one of those things. And the the carbohydrates can actually easily ratchet up. And so that's where I'm really careful with clients. I call these products your party plus one. It's like, we're not adding like four friends to the party. Like we're, we're having real whole foods and we're getting our party plus one. And like in your ice cream example, that'd be your party plus one, like get yourself, salmon and veggies or roasted chicken and whatever and then know that that's your party plus one we're not just going like let's blow it out
0: meaning meaning it's like these things should still be seen as like indulgences or like occasional
2: Occasional things. And so yeah. they begin, they, and that's the thing is, I think when people blanketly say, like, oh, this cereal or these tortillas or these chips or these crackers are total staples in my life. And then we look at their overall day and we realize, like, the day of caloric intake is highly processed and highly carbohydrate, even if it's grain free or quote unquote healthy, like, It's going to manifest itself in the overgrowth of inflammatory microbes in the gut microbiome. It's going to dysregulate blood sugar. It's going to lead to inflammation, even the healthier foods, because if they become the prominent source of your nutrition, then they become, you are what you eat.
0: Does the same go for like impossible meat and nugs, things like that, or meat substitutes that you wouldn't say like, okay, you can be vegetarian, but like your daily dinner shouldn't consist of a meat substitute?
2: Yeah, you. I can't even tell you how many times because come, it's become a really popular diet where I sit down with clients and I'm like, do you know what's in this? Like, it's pea protein, it's soy protein, it's gluten protein, and it's inflammatory industrial seed oils. And all of these products, all of these ingredients that are making up this fake meat for you are actually very inflammatory, unbalanced, and not something I would have you eat if you looked at each individual ingredient. Because so, they're
0: engineering for taste. They're not engineering for health.
2: They're not engineering anywhere near for health. And when you look at, like, actually what's happening, they are requiring a massive amount of industrially raised grains. And it's actually not great for the environment. It's depleting soils, depleting soil microbiome.
0: I feel like the answer is that, like, the food industrial complex is lying to us. And, like, part of, like, being an informed eater, an informed consumer, is understand, like... They're so fucking sneaky. There was a great Katie Couric documentary, the sh- one she did about sugar, like a few years ago. I remember this one scene where they talk about the dairy industry created cheese product. So like, you know, like craft Singles. Yeah. They basically, like in the 80s and 90s, when skim milk became all the rage and everyone was like drinking skim milk, there was all this milk fat that had been discarded from oh. the milk skin, milk making process. And they are like, what the fuck should we do with all this? Like all these <laughs> milk fats. And they decide, like, Oh, we'll just like, we'll say cheese is the new way to get calcium and, and protein and all this stuff. And so then cheese became like, there was like a big dairy farmer, like push to advertise cheese. So, and, and even now when you look at, even in a place like Erwan, where it's like, allegedly everything is good for you. It's like, They'll something will say coconut sugar, and that's just sugar, or agave, or the best one is like brown rice syrup, and it's like that's sugar, or you know, organic cane sap. It's like it's all it's all fucking sugar, and so and so many people don't have access to that information.
2: That's the hardest part for me is I'm just trying to be a whistleblower when it comes to like what is sugar, and that's why I teach blood sugar balance like that is my science of choice because and I look at inflammation when I look at diseases that we're dealing with in our country childhood obesity and diabetes like it's starting at such a young age all the microbiome dysbiosis that's happening it's coming from all of these processed sugars and flours that overfeed all of those microbes, elevate blood sugar and create inflammation.
0: So, I mean, I think one of the things that's becoming clear in talking to you is how important like education is and knowledge. So it's not just about getting a prescription for like, okay, this is your diet. It's about actually needing to know like how many days that after you eat something, you need to probably think about what you're eating or being extra hydrated in the morning after having a big uh, sugar spike, things like that. I think Instagram, and you have over 400,000 followers on Instagram, is a great, in some ways, a great platform for you to be able to, to give a lot of people who don't have access to you personally, or who might not have the $250, $500 to do one of your courses, give them access to you and to some of this education. On the downside to that, we've seen you know, there are so many practitioners on Instagram, what what you sort of end up doing is being someone who has not evaluated the person, but who is disp- you know giving them some sort of medical information, right? Yeah. And we've seen it in recent weeks, like backfire, especially in the nutritionist space, because you have 400,000 people listening to every word you're saying, and also who are desperate probably a lot of them to figure out some way to make their lifestyles healthier to make their bodies look a certain way whatever it is how do you wrap your head around that and sort of like try to cause the least amount of harm as possible
2: well i think that's really really important like people need to understand the gravity of their voice and having a platform and they also need i think if you were trained appropriately you know that like you are not supposed to give medical advice to a client that you don't have a HIPAA signed contract with, that you don't have a health history on, that you don't, you know, there are generalizations that can be made. And so that's one thing that I've always been also is one, I don't like strict rules. I'm very, I might be an early adopter of something, but I will not be an early like preacher of something until I have seen it repeat itself in science. And it feels tangible to me and something that is safe. So I'm a generalist. Like my recommendations are to eat the fab four. Protein, fat, fiber, and greens. You really could be keto, plant-based. It doesn't really matter how you eat. Like science still tells us those things are important. And getting into the nitty gritty only happens with clients when I have those one-on-ones, which is really important for me. And I think also when we start to give people rules or we're black and white science isn't black and white and that's really hard when people say oh you have to eat this before a meal or you use this powder or you try this pill or whatever like there isn't ever strong enough information on that to feel that I would ever feel comfortable blanketly making a statement like that because it's there (laughs) it's almost like if I make a statement like you should have leafy greens and then it's like I need to do an asterisk and be like If you have thyroid disease, there are oxalates present in your leafy greens. And if you're having them at every, you know, like, or if you're having, (laughs) eat cruciferous vegetables, they're anti-cancer. If you're eating cruciferous vegetables, there are oxalates, you know, like I would need to do... Little, Basically, little, like, what they like, have at the asterisk.
0: end, right? What they yeah. have at the end of like the medication <laughs> the ads pharmaceutical on TV commercials, yeah. Was, like, like this then, might kill you. Yeah, like, yeah.
2: Like I need to have disclosures and like I need to have the what ifs and the, if this is happening to you, disclaimers. Because the reality is, we're all super individual. We all have different mutations in our genes. We all have different microbiomes. We all have different lifestyles. We're living in different environments. We have different experiences with the world and how we how we deal with stress, like how we sleep. I mean, God, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And that's what I try to empower my clients to do. Here's the science. Here's something I want you to read. Here's something that I want you to try because I want you to be your own little lab rat. I want you to build your own little lifestyle without thinking that someone else knows you better and really just to, to look at the science very generally don't have knee-jerk reactions go like okay that's cool how can I implement that what's happening scientifically does it work in my lifestyle okay I tried it now reevaluate how does it make me feel is this still really working for me and then you're not married to this stuff and you're not it isn't who you are it's just like how you're living at the time. I think one of the greatest things that I learned in Mommy and Me, which is so funny because it's like I'm working all these hours and then I like pop into Mommy and Me. And my Mommy and Me teacher was like, you know, I, I whenever you say anything in this class, I want you to end it with right now. And I think that that's so powerful. Like it was like Sebastian's not sleeping right now. He is really loving trucks right now. And like that's how I want my clients to feel too is it's like, I'm really excited about protein shakes right now. Or I'm really loving intermittent fasting right now. It's like, are you going to be keto or intermittent fasting when you're 90? You don't know. And like the more you try to claim that that's who you are, not what you're doing, the harder it is for you to unravel and and differentiate when you need to change.
0: So is the key, not to totally change the subject, but this made me think of it, is the key to a long life, okay, here's what I've heard is the key sort of like living a lifestyle in which you're in a caloric deficit, meaning you're ingesting fewer calories than you're burning or is the key blueberries, organic blueberries, which I'm convinced is the only food that doesn't (laughs) have like, there's not an asterisk around. What are the general sort of like things that the research lets us just say, okay, we can have this. If you're eating fewer calories you know, it might not feel good, but like you're on the right track to a long life. Like what, give us like what, something we can just relax. about.
2: I mean, the thing that I'm a big proponent of is obviously like, that's what I was looking for in my practice. That's what I was looking to give people was like, look, it doesn't matter. You, you need to eat these things. And the things that you need to eat is you need to get a source of protein from your food. You need to get a source of healthy fats from your food and you need to eat some plants and it is as simple as when do you eat when you're hungry and you eat to feel full and satisfied so it's my whole mission with clients is to teach them to eat meals so they don't need to be eating all day long so that they feel full and satisfied and they have proper digestion and like blood balanced blood sugar for longer hours within the day but i think it really is about doing what you need to do to stay motivated to do those things. So whether that's you know eating the Fab Four or moving your body or being about sleep, like pick one thing that you're. going No, gonna
0: no, be- hold on, hold on. I'm gonna interrupt you for a second. Yeah. I want like a eat twenty to thirty grams of protein. Oh, you
2: want the hit list? In the,
0: I want. I just want like give me like give me. I don't want like I don't need the secret sauce, but I want like a taste of the secret sauce. Like what do, like what are the sort of things that we can grab onto as like takeaways. Indi- yes.
2: Okay. Here are the takeaways for anyone listening. Cause COVID has been, has been a banana bread of a season. <laughs> so here's what we need to do. Wake up, Move your body fasted. It's going to dump your cells uh, and your muscles of stored glucose. It's going to make you more insulin sensitive when you do have those whoopsies, I accidentally fell on a plate of brownies.
0: Meaning, okay? like, work out on an empty stomach.
2: Work out on an empty stomach. You're going to get a surge of human growth hormone and testosterone that's going to not only increase insulin sensitivity, be great for your body and, and biochemistry, but also it's going to help you retain muscle mass, which increases your resting metabolic rate. So, that is what I would do start your day with movement to get those biological benefits. Then when you're feeling hungry somewhere between an hour and two hours after that meal or after that workout, I would ingest 20 to 30 grams of protein. I don't care if it's a chocolate peanut butter shake. I don't care if it's eggs and avocado. I don't care if it's fake oat faux meal, whatever is your favorite. I mean, don't be a breakfast person. Sit down and have a piece of salmon and veggies. I don't care, but do it before it's too late think when people are doing it too late and they're gung-ho on intermittent fasting and they're waiting till two in the afternoon, I have only seen it backfire, only last a short period of time. So shrink your feeding window all you want. I'm obsessed with that. Eat, be, eat like my grandma, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. You're gonna get way better results if you end your day earlier than if you start your day later. Your circadian rhythm is affecting every single cell in your body and your insulin sensitivity and your ability to metabolize food as energy versus storing it as fat is better in the morning hours and the light hours when it's light outside versus when it's dark. So eat when it's light out, not when it's dark out. And then focus on sleep. Like move, eat balanced, clean, start with protein so you make better choices. End your food day, you know, if it's not a weekend and you're like really just trying to be good and ditch a few LBs or feel your best in the morning, end it a couple hours before you go to bed. Like I said, five, six, seven at the latest. And then go to sleep preferably by 10 p.m. We get better sleep between 10 and 6 than we do between midnight and 8. Move your body, get your protein in. That'll keep you balanced throughout the day. End your day early, go to sleep. Those would be like just the basics of if your sleep isn't dialed, If you're not moving your body, if you're not starting your day with protein, you're trying to white knuckle it till 2 p.m., I'm going to have issues moving the needle on your body composition, on hormone balance, on where you want to go. Those are going to be all deal breakers.
0: What about um, Scandinavian fiber crackers? (laughs)
2: <laughs> I, am not a fan. Um, I, I am not a fan. I I am not a fan. I understand the need for fiber. I'm a huge fan of fiber. I think it needs to come in a variety of vehicles. So we actually know in scientific literature that your microbiome is affected by the number of diverse plants that you eat in your diet, the diversity of color, the diversity of plant foods, because fiber isn't fiber and not fiber fiber is broken down into a plethora of different types of fiber resistant starches and each one of these things we know know from gut microbiome testing that like specific strains of bacteria are fed by specific fiber types so looking at gut microbiome test results we can say like oh you're low in this specific type of we'll just use lactobacillus because people know that one lactobacillus. And we know that it's fed by psyllium husk powder. So let's get you psyllium husk or, Hey, we know that you're low in this strain. We know that asparagus feeds this or apple pectin feeds this. You need to add this type of food to your diet, to increase the strains of that bacteria. One cracker source isn't going to do that for you over your day. Fair
0: enough. So, (laughs) you know, like listening to this, I'm certainly like I need to book an appointment with you immediately. I'm <laughs> sure that a lot of people feel that way. Are there resources or is reading your books you know, like the first sort of way to kind of get enough information that you can start without having to shell out like the money and, and you also are one person who can't see everyone. Who <laughs> yeah,
2: there's so wants many hours in you. the day.
0: Right. Like what like the the good first steps?
2: Yeah, so I mean the books are probably like the gateway to uh, the science that I teach, body love. My first one is really the basics. Body love every day goes through the base, goes through the science that I share in body love, but then goes into greater detail. So it's blood sugar science, and then it goes through protein, fat, fiber, greens, like our physical need for these things, and like why they're important to you for longevity, for health, for hormone balance, for digestion, for detoxification. You name it. And then I give example plans in that book, like Girl on the Go or Domestic Goddess. And that really informs like, well, what kind of person are you? If you really are on the go, I want you to know how to pick a protein bar or find something at a convenience store. And so you can kind of lean on those chapters as like, okay, now it's my time to choose my own adventure. And I give specific examples in those. My courses are probably, you know, they're a little bit more expensive. They're like 250 on sale below 200 on big sale weekends, but that is really accessible because it's video and then it's pdfs so it's attached pdfs that are like here the kelly cliff notes of what i'm trying to tell you here and if you learn better that way great i would check that out and then one-on-one sessions are kind of like the very next level
0: i love it so i feel like i now know probably like what i quote unquote intuitively like should have known which is like (laughs) if you start your day with like the right the right food then you're just gonna have a better day. Do you eat anything that's bad for you?
2: Oh yeah. Like I just, (laughs) yesterday was labor day and here's the deal. I just don't keep it around. And so there's this little amazing little beach shack down here where we're renting our like beachy place for COVID COVID, and they do like gluten, like carry your healthy terms, ready? Gluten free, vegan, chocolate chip cookie, ice cream sandwiches with coconut, ice cream vanilla ice cream oh, in the middle <laughs> and i am you know i'm my third trimester of my pregnancy and i'm like mm, i'm tracking pretty much the same as i was with sebastian i gained 26 pounds with him and he was almost a nine pound baby so it was a uh, not too bad for me at postpartum but i'm like babe i'm tracking like Four to five higher than, you know, at this point, my pregnancy was Sebastian. And I'm 100% blaming those damn ice cream sandwiches.
0: Those ice cream sandwiches <laughs> sound really, really good.
2: Again, it's back to that whole point of, like, let's not challenge ourselves in a time of, like, stress. Let's let set ourselves up for success and know that, like, we can celebrate. And then we just feel good doing it and we don't feel bad doing it because we're like, ah, it wasn't it wasn't too crazy and I'm pretty dialed in the rest of the week or you know the next couple of days and and that's where i I want people to get to a place of of being able to really enjoy whatever it is if it's your ben and jerry's or your ice cream sandwich and say like i'm not a bad person for this
0: annie it's time for everyone's favorite segment product of the week i will go second (laughs) oh
1: okay Mine is not a product. It's a tip of the week that I discovered while shopping for a product. I was on the Frederick mall website looking at their candles and they do such a great job of educating on their products in their usage instructions. They say to only burn the candle until the top layer is melted, right? Like it's like a pool of wax at the top and then they say to blow it out because that's as much of the fragrance that you'll get from the candle. If you keep burning it, you're just like literally burning money. And so then when that wax like dries up again, then the fragrance is kind of like, you know, locked in. And the throw is no longer there. Then you would That's relight so it. Interesting. Yeah, isn't that a cool tip? I'm surprised yeah. that I like, didn't know that before. Don't leave your expensive candles like burning all day. Like, you know, let them burn for like... I, I don't know how long it'll take, like 20, I, I think around, like, I've been doing it maybe like 20 minutes to half an hour, depending on the size of your candle, blow it out, and um, yeah.
0: <laughs> I love that. So my, my product of the week is also not a beauty product, so we're going to have to say strictly beauty next week. My product of the week is a children's book that I got for our soon-to-be child and one for a friend who's having a baby. It's called A is for Activist and it is written and illustrated by Inosanto Nagara and what I love about it is that it has lots of big words that like kids can sort of get used to hearing when you read it to them it's like a they call it like a board book so it's like you know easy for kids to page through but it really kind of like sets out a bunch of really great values and and vocabulary words for for little kids like a is for activist, advocate, abolitionist, ally, actively answering a call to action. Are you an activist? And it's really cute. And the illustrations are really pretty. And, you know, obviously decolonizing our minds and, you know, being anti-racist starts when you're a baby. And I think that, you know, this, this book and books like it are a great way to like really kind of put your, put your money where your mouth is. T is for trans, for trains, for tiaras, tulips, tractors, and tigers, too. Trust in the true, the he, she, they, that is you. Isn't that kind
1: of lovely? That is lovely, Nick.
0: Um, And the other thing I loved about it is that I bought it from this bookstore in L.A. called Reparations Club. I also bought this book called Anti-Racist Baby by Ibram X. Kendi and Ashley Lukaszewski, Um, but it came... With a little note saying, thank you so much, Nick, and congratulations. Love Jazzy, a fellow New York fashion beauty media survivor, LOL.
1: Aww. So,
0: shout out to Jazzy. Please make yourself known. I'd love to know about what took you from New York fashion beauty media and into the world of books.
1: Nick, are you sharing the name of your baby yet?
0: No. That, I feel like we need to keep as, like, you know, the... The big reveal.
1: I've decided on mine.
0: What's the name of your baby?
1: So I'm giving them adult names because I don't want them to have to deal with what my brother and I went through our lives. Like I am 30 and I have the name of a four-year-old. So Ursula for the girl and Erno for the boy. Yes. After Erno Laszlo. (laughs) Yes. And
0: Ursula from The Little Mermaid?
1: No. After Ursula Andress, the most beautiful person ever to live.
0: Okay. I feel like that's going to be tough. Until her nickname about thirty. No,
1: because her nickname I already decided is Suli. How cute is that?
0: It makes no sense.
1: Ursula Suli. Okay, okay. whatever. It doesn't matter because I'm not going to have a baby. So, the, the, this is, <laughs> like, thank you for the feedback. I will not reproduce. <laughs> no, I
0: I want you to reproduce, and I want you to buy these books.
1: Oh, sorry. I forgot. This this is not about me. <laughs>
0: For anyone who wants to buy them, you can buy them at rep.club. Again, the bookstore is called Reparations Club. And what I just found out is they're reparations.club on Instagram. And the the whole store and the shop is owned by a woman named Jazzy McGilbert, whose name is super familiar from New York Media Days. And uh, I love that she started this cool bookshop and creative space.
1: Yeah, wait, everybody should reach out and tell us the like three degrees of separation they have from us.
0: That would be it. a fun
1: game to play, wouldn't it?
0: Reparations.club.
1: Thank you, Nick. I think that that was like such a beautiful and important note to end on.
0: Okay, that's it for this week's episode of Eyewitness Beauty. Thank you so much for listening. This is our final reminder, and we will put this on our Instagram stories, that we'll be doing a Q&A episode. So send us your questions, ones that ideally we can answer, nothing that only God can answer and uh dm us or email us and we will hopefully be able to come up with an answer and put it on the show
1: please remember to rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts you can follow us on instagram at eyewitnessbeauty or write to us at hi at eyewitnessbeauty.com
0: eyewitness beauty is produced by jessamine molly of seaplane armada our art is by simon obronowitz and our theme music is by the one and only danny prezant
1: we'll be back next week with another brand new episode so we will talk with you then
0: Stay beautiful, no problem.